Turn over to John chapter number 10 with me. John chapter number 10, I'm thankful. I know we have what is remembered today as Palm Sunday and being celebrated around this world of the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. That's not what I'm preaching on this morning, but uh, we'll get there this afternoon, so you might want to stay around for this afternoon. But uh, I actually made a post on social media this morning on the subject matter of how many multitudes will celebrate the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, but will reject him entering their hearts and entering their life to be able to make a difference. And uh, there's a lot of religious ritual that's taking place over this next week, but I sure wish that they would understand the true meaning of what's taking place. And, uh, you know, this ought to rank up there, this week ought to rank up there on the same level as Christmas with us. And uh, I'm so thankful for this time of year. You know it's one of my favorite times. And uh, I love Resurrection Sunday. I love Easter. And uh, thankful. Listen, all of our hope for eternity is contingent and based upon believing that Jesus rose from the dead. And if he did not rise from the dead, then we have no hope. And uh, But I'm thankful that we have hope today, amen, and uh, thankful for it. John chapter 10, if you found it and you're able to, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. <coughs> John chapter 10, beginning in verse number 11, the Bible says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. We just heard a beautiful song about him being willing to be able to sacrifice for us. That's the title of the message this morning is the willingness to sacrifice. The willingness to sacrifice. We read it here that no man taketh it from me. Jesus wasn't murdered. He laid down his life willingly for each and every one of us, and I'm thankful for that. Let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll share a few thoughts about the willingness to sacrifice. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that we can hold to it today. It's changed our lives. Lord, it hasn't just changed the life that we live now, but it has changed our eternal destiny. Everything we know about Jesus being our Savior is found here in the pages of the Word of God. 
And Lord, I'm so thankful for it. Yes, Lord, I trust it today. I believe it. And Lord, I pray that I'll obey it. And Lord, that you'd encourage us. Lord, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, they don't understand truly what Easter and Resurrection Sunday is all about. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their hearts, Lord, throughout this day. Thank you for your love to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I was looking in the scriptures, I want to encourage us because we just sang a song that says, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. How many believe that's just a a special word, Calvary? That's just a special word, isn't it? How many songs have been written about Calvary? Years I spent in vanity and pride, and we sing about at Calvary. We sing about what we just did, I believe, in a hill called Mount Calvary. We started off with a song, Lead Me to Calvary. You understand that's a Bible word, and it's found in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 33. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Can I just give us something special this morning? It's a, it's a standard here at Granite State Baptist Church. All preaching and teaching is done from the King James Bible. And it's only in the King James Bible that we have the word Calvary. They change the word and call it something else, whether the place of the skull or Golgotha or the hill. And so it's only here that we have Calvary. Boy, what a special word that is. What a special place capitalized there. But we come back, Calvary would not have been possible without a sacrifice that was willing. Last week we looked at the um, the establishment. We looked at the necessity of a substitute to be made for us. That sin's payment always requires a substitute. And the reason for that is because... Our sin debt is so large that there's no way that we would be able to pay it in and of ourselves. There's no amount of works that we would be able to have that would be able to get us into heaven. You say, well, I don't think that's fair. Well, let me remind us when we talk about eternity and we talk about heaven, we understand that it is God's heaven. And so he actually has every right that there is to determine how someone will enter into his heaven for all of eternity. It's his heaven, it's his presence that will be there, and he is providing that for us in the way that the Lord Jesus Christ has provided a way is through a willing sacrifice to be able to pay for your sins and for mine. And as we come back here to John chapter number 10 this morning, we have this wonderful passage of scripture of, uh, he starts off with saying that he is the door, and that you have to enter in through the door. Then he comes down to saying that he is the good shepherd. So we have the door in the first nine verses, first ten verses. Then he transitions over to being the good shepherd. And we have several times, and we've read down through here, where he says that the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, gives himself for the sheep. And the willingness to sacrifice. 
There's several other passages of scripture in my daily Bible reading. I was going through Luke a little over a week ago, and you get up there around Luke chapter number nine, and it mentions a couple different times where he actually set his face toward Jerusalem. In other words, there were things that were not distracting him. He was not going into some other cities because he knew that the time was coming for him to lay down his life as a good shepherd does. And he set his face toward Jerusalem, and we celebrate on a day like this. Now listen, it would have been really weird if as I walked in today, all of you were gathered on either side of the aisle, and you were waving palm branches and laying them down in front of me as I walked down through here. But that's precisely what they did for the Lord Jesus Christ. As he rode into Jerusalem to be able to, as we call it, a triumphant entry coming in there. But really, it's triumphant in the spiritual sense because he knew what he was about to face by the end of the week. He knew that these same ones, and we'll look at some of it this afternoon, he knew that these same ones that were crying out, Hosanna, King of the Jews, Hosanna, high, highest, they, those same ones would be crying, crucify him, crucify him in a matter of three or four days. But I'm thankful that through all of that, Jesus knew where he was headed. It was once said that Jesus actually, maybe God saw the tree planted that one day a cross would be made out of to be able to hold his only begotten son suspended between heaven and earth. You understand of all those things that Jesus still looked at those that would come and betray him. And as Judas would come up and kiss him on the cheek, that Jesus would still call him friend. As Peter would grab his sword, as that betrayal was taking place and grab his sword and literally took a guy's ear off. You say, I believe it was in one swipe how that took place. I believe he grabbed his sword, he swung it out. I believe this guy bent like this to try to save his neck and it went right up and shaved his ear off. And Jesus said, I want you to put that sword away for this purpose came I. And actually healed that man's ear. As they were hanging on the cross, as we heard about last Sunday afternoon, about those two thieves, one on either side of him, that Jesus still took the time in some of his dying breaths to be able to make sure that an old thief that was being punished hanging beside him was ready to be able to enter into eternity and to be able to spend it with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say all of these things come back to the heart condition and heart spirit that the Lord Jesus Christ had about this sacrifice. We're going to get to it, but he said, no man taketh it from me. I want to come back and look at a few things on this willingness to sacrifice, that first of all, that the value of the sacrifice is based on compassion. The value is based on compassion. Look what he says down here in verse number 12. He says, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, and this phrase, whose own the sheep are not. 
seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the shepherd. And hireling back in the Bible times was just someone very simply, you can see the definition very in, in, the, in the very spelling of the word that it's someone who has been hired to take care of the sheep. It's someone who has a financial transaction to watch over those sheep, but he is doing it because of the monetary reward that he has been given. But yet when we see and it comes time for sacrifice, the sacrifice is made and the value of it based on compassion. Do you understand? And we could trace this all the way back through the scriptures. Um, I specifically think this morning of a young shepherd boy named David. Remember how it was when he was out there on the backside of the desert and he gave the testimony to King Saul that, listen, there was a lion that came up against my father's sheep. There was a bear that came up against my father's sheep. Listen, he had compassion on the sheep. And he went up and actually slew the lion and slew the bear with his bare hands. Why? Because he was brave? No. But because he valued the sheep that he was watching over. And when we come back here to John chapter number 10, may I remind us that this sacrifice, the value is based on compassion, that when the Lord looks down at us, I mean, really, what value is there in a sheep? And do you understand that we are compared to sheep throughout the Bible? I've heard that my whole life growing up. I mean, Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. I've been told this all my life that that sheep are very dumb and ignorant animals. Anybody else ever been told that in their life? I've been told that usually by my parents saying, hey, you know, you're a sheep. No, no, they they weren't saying that. We, We understand that they need a shepherd. They need a leader. But why is it that someone would literally, if a thief was coming or a wolf was coming, why would they try to save that sheep and to be able to give their life and to be able to sacrifice for the sheep instead of protecting their own selves? It's because of the value that was placed on that sheep. You know as well as I do, you could walk into my house today, I could walk into your house today, and we could start looking at possessions that are around the house. And there may be some things that I would walk up to in your house, and I would grab that, and I'd say, why in the world do you still have that? And there may be some things you walk up to and say, why in the world do I still have that? Maybe husbands will look at some things and say, why are you still holding on to that? Some wives would look at husbands and say, why are you still holding on to that? You can walk in my office over here and, and they may not remember it. Maybe I'll pull it out at their wedding in about 20 years. But uh, I've got when we first were starting here at the church and bought this property and we were watching God do great and mighty things, uh, Miss Margaret Marvin talked about a sign that her husband had up over his desk or over the door in his office office that said Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides. Well, the Nagley kids went home as I was talking about that and Jehovah Jireh and God has provided for Granite State Baptist Church. And I still have in my office here on my shelf, an old piece of wood that some Nagley kids went home and they wrote Jehovah Jireh on that piece of board. And I still have it. And some would walk in and say, why do you have a piece of Kittlin sitting in here that could just be burned just like that? 
you would say, that doesn't have much value. But can I say this? It has value to the owner of it. And I think about us as people, and we live in a society today that, listen, the value of a human life is almost non-existent. There's people that can take someone else's life and never give two, two seconds worth of thought about that. They can take a baby's life. They can walk up to someone sitting in a car just because they've been told to for gang initiation and just walk up and shoot someone sitting in a car that easy. But I thought, what would make the Lord Jesus Christ be willing to sacrifice for us? Listen, it's a value that's based on compassion. It's a value that when the Lord Jesus Christ looks down at us, he says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, listen, you have value to God. You have value. Do you understand back in Genesis 1 and chapter chapter 1 and chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, listen, there was a perfect relationship between God and mankind. They were able to walk together in the cool of the garden. They were able to fellowship one with another and to be able to commune and talk with each other as you and I do on a daily basis. But then sin entered into the equation. And you can go back and count them. There's 1,189 chapters in our Bible. The first three we have about sin that enters into the world and breaks that fellowship. Can I say this? The next 1186 is all about restoring that fellowship that we can have with God. Boy, isn't it just wonderful that God would look down at us and you say, well, what value has he placed on me? He has placed a value on you because of the love from the depths of his heart to be able to save your soul for all of eternity. Well, I'm thankful you say, listen, there's very few people in this world that I would even think about laying down my life for. Yeah, Roman says that too. Paul already made mention of it. He said, for scarcely, for a righteous man would some even dare die. And that's for a good person. That's someone who has their act together. That's someone who's doing good works towards those that are around them. And scarcely for a righteous man. But Jesus looked down and said, listen, your value to me is he was willing to sacrifice. You understand that he knew this from the, I believe, from the moment he was born. I believe that's the purpose he came into this world. I believe that's the purpose he, he lived a perfect and a sinless life. And why at some point in Luke chapter number 19, listen, he set his face towards Jerusalem and he was not going to be deterred from that because he said that there is a group of people that I value so much and there is a love in my heart to be able to save them and spend eternity with them. You mean something to the Lord Jesus Christ. The same way that that shepherd is out there. Hey, listen, you say, well, I don't understand about a shepherd and a sheep. Hey, what about your little kitty cat back home? What about your little puppy? I refuse on this. I will not be called daddy to a puppy. I heard Crystal's mom for years talking about her little jazzy. Come to mama, come to daddy, and I'm saying there ain't no way. Can I say this? Some of you, and listen, if that's who you are, that you can understand the value towards an animal. I don't have that. But you know what it was? I believe that shepherd, 
knew every one of them sheep that were coming in. There's times that it was said that that shepherd, listen, he'd build up that hedge. He'd be able to get all them sheep in there to be able to bed down for the night. And he'd leave one opening in that, in that, that, that wall of thorns and bristles and everything that he's put around. And he'd lay down across that door to be able to protect them. But he knew every one of them sheep as they're coming in. As they're coming in, he'd start counting them. He'd start counting them. There's one. There's two, that's number 43, that's number 66. And you get all the way through there. He said if he got to 99 and there was one missing, what man having 100 sheep? Wouldn't leave the 90 and 9 in the fold. Make sure that they're safe. Make sure that they're settled, they're secure, and be able to go out and be able to find that one. I guarantee you he knew which one was missing. And you know this as well as I do, whether you have, whether you have cattle, whether you have goats, Whatever you may have, you get personal with them. You can actually pick out their names and you know which one is there. Why? They have value to you. And we would say, oh, there's just an old dumb sheep. There's no value to that. We can just get another one. That's not the way it is to Jesus. That value was based on compassion, not monetary value. Can I say it wasn't even in relationship to what the sheep could give back to the shepherd? Do you understand there were some sheep that were just being raised and they were going to be sacrifices? There were some that were being raised and they were just going to be um, just raised for their hair. And they were just going to be shaved off once a year. And that was going to be sold. That was the whole purpose of raising them. But the value in them, listen, listen when it comes to Jesus, it, the value is compassion. And Jesus looks at us and he said this, that he said they were as sheep without a shepherd and they were scattered. And Jesus had compassion on them, a value that's based on compassion. That's why he was willing to sacrifice. But the, can I say this? It was a sacrifice that was based on protection. A sacrifice that was based on protection. You say, what do you mean? Over and over, look at verse number 11 with me. He says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The Bible says, and we read it, verses 12, 13, and 14, that the, the hireling, when there's a, a wolf that's coming, that the hireling will leave, but the sheep will protect it. I mean, the shepherd will protect it. Verse number 15, he says at the end of it, I lay down my life for the sheep. There was a protection factor here. In other words, there was impending danger and this sacrifice that the shepherd was willing to make. Here's one thing we never read about. Did David walk away with a scratch or a gouge from that bear or from that lion that he went after? We don't know. I will say this, you don't grab a, a lion or a bear by the mane and by the mouth and not at least walk off with a scratch and thankful to have that and still have your life. But the reason that the shepherd will step out and say, let me protect that sheep. Let me step out. Let me take my life into my own hands. Let me be willing to be able to sacrifice is because of the protection of the danger that he knew that they were facing. You say, well, what does that have to do with Jesus? Can I say this? Jesus laid his life down for us. By the way, if you haven't got this yet, Jesus is the good shepherd and we're the sheep. Just in case, I know, spoiler alert from the end of it. Jesus is the good shepherd and we're the sheep and Jesus is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. You know why? Because he knows what's coming ahead if he doesn't intervene. 
He knows what's coming down the road. If he doesn't say, someone needs to pay for their sin. Because he knows you can't pay for it. He knows I can't pay for it. He knows we can do good works from now till the day we die. And what Isaiah said is all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we see it based upon protection. That he said, this sacrifice, I am willing to lay down my life. You ever had someone say, I'm I'm willing to sacrifice myself for you? (coughs) You know what I think is, is one of the most... Um, wonderful organizations we have in America would be the Secret Service. It doesn't matter who's in the office, but it's the protection of the office. They swear and take an oath that they are literally willing to be able to lay down their life, to be able to sacrifice, to be able to take a bullet for whoever occupies that office, they're willing to because of the matter of protection. I think the second greatest entity is our U.S. military. That willingly sign on the line to be able to say, I am willing to go and lay down my life for the protection of the freedoms that we hold dear to us. And we look at those and we give thanks and we heap honor, which we should. But may I remind us, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. He saw the sheep that were going astray. He saw the sheep that were ready to go off a cliff. He saw sin's penalty that was waiting for each and every one of us. And he said, if he doesn't do something, nothing else can be done. And he said, I'm willing to lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus had us in mind. You think about that, I'm reminded of what Hebrews chapter 12 says, where it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you understand while Jesus was on the cross, there was an old song that was written when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Can you imagine going through everything that Jesus went through every time that whip came down upon him, every time, and it was prayed last night as we gathered here and prayed, that every time that hammer came down and hit that nail, that it was driving our sins through the arms, through the hands, and through the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe every time it was going through there, listen, he wasn't thinking about how much pain he was in, but I believe he was thinking about us. And I believe he was thinking about what his sacrifice that he was willingly doing right now. That that sacrifice was going to bring mankind, the crown of creation, back into fellowship with God Almighty. You see, that's a love that we can't fathom. That's a love, that's why we're reminded of it, that greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, we might be able to understand someone laying down their life for their friends, but what about laying down their life for a sheep? But the Lord Jesus said, that's what I'm willing to do. No man taketh it from me. It's no wonder, and I'll probably mention mention it again, it's no wonder after Jesus died and that soldier had come along and thrust that spear up into his side and blood and water came out of that. It's no wonder that that soldier stood by and said, truly, this was the Son of God. 
I believe they saw a crucifixion that they had never experienced in their life before. I made mention of it last week that, listen, when they laid that cross down there and Jesus had just carried it up that hill, listen, I don't believe he needed all that help. I believe he carried his cross all the way to Golgotha. And he laid down on that cross. I don't believe that four soldiers, as I said last week, I don't believe they had to tie him down. I, but can you imagine the look upon his face and the look in his eyes as Jesus just simply laid down his arm? I wonder if the look in his eyes was, I still love you. With every blow of that hammer, and then he crossed his feet and put one over the top of the other. And I wonder if some of them soldiers just looked at each other and said, I've, we've never crucified someone like this before. They weren't getting cursed at. They weren't getting railed upon. They weren't getting spit upon. Jesus was willing to sacrifice. And that sacrifice was based upon the protection and listen to be able to deliver each and every one of us. Then can I say this, and I, I want to close with this thought. And you know what it means when a pastor says he's closing? It doesn't mean much. Don't get all excited. Don't close your Bibles yet. Look what the Bible says down here in verse number 18. This willingness was based on obedience to his Father. Verse number 18, Jesus said, No man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Look at this. This commandment have I received of my Father. We're reminded over in John chapter number 8 and verse number 29 as Jesus was saying, he said, I do always those things that please the Father obedience and his willingness based upon obedience you say but i thought jesus is god yes he is god he claimed to be god we have that miraculous and that mag majestical uh, claim that he has made i and my father are one just a little bit further down here in verse number 30 but may i remind us that i believe he lived his entire life here upon this earth in complete submission to the Holy Spirit of God, and may I remind us that it was the will of the Father for the Lord Jesus Christ to die upon an old rugged cross for us. It was the will of the Father. That's why we're reminded, and I'll read a few verses to us. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22, it's just a few pages back there. The Bible says in verse number 39, it says, And he came out and went, and as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at that place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Do you understand what Jesus was saying as he prayed there? You, some have tried to explain this away. Listen, I believe Jesus knew exactly what he was preparing to face. I believe he understood. Listen, he was no stranger around Jerusalem. He knew exactly the, the pain and the agony and the anguish and the endurance that he would have to have to be able to get through the next 24 hours or so before he gave up the ghost. 
He knew exactly the pain. The cup of sin was prepared to be poured into his body and he would fall on his face before his heavenly father and said, Father, if it be possible, if there's any other way, I believe he was saying this, if there's any other way to bring salvation to these people, then let it be done. You say, well, I don't think that he'd be praying that. If you knew what you were about to be facing, I believe we'd be praying it too. That's why, listen, you go back and read our church history and those that would not deny the faith, those that would not spit upon the word of God, those that would not deny Christ, and it cost them their very life being crucified the same way that the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Oh, the respect and the honor that I have for them. I'm thankful here in America. Listen, crucifixion isn't a thing. It still is some places around this world. Do you understand that there's places this week, now listen to me, there are places this week that will celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and they will literally nail themselves to a cross. They will. They'll be paraded down the street. In fact, down in the country of Brazil, I've been able to read some of the the warnings that have been put out about making sure that you're physically fit. And if you have health issues or heart conditions, then do not get nailed to a cross this week. Seriously, they put those warnings out there. There is no one outside of love that would willingly endure what the Lord Jesus Christ went through except that he was willing to be obedient to his heavenly father. Remember what Philippians chapter number 2 says and turn over there with me and we'll read through these verses. Philippians chapter number 2. The Bible says in verse number 6, He says, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Verse number eight now. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Can I remind us that even the wording of that verse, as it ends that last phrase by saying, even the death of the cross, it would have been enough for us to understand that Jesus became obedient unto death, but the death that he became obedient unto shows the extreme of his obedience, even the death of the cross. He knew As we look down through here, we read it on Thursday morning and Thursday evening about Hebrews chapter number 2 verses 14 and 15 that he knew that by partaking in the same that he was destroying the works of the devil and not just destroying the works of the devil, but he was delivering us who all our lifetime were subject to bondage. I believe in eternity past, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit knew mankind was going to sin. Now, I'm not one that says that God ordained that sin and they didn't have a choice. But God still created man knowing that they would choose to sin against Almighty God. 
But aren't we thankful because we read about over in Revelation that John saw a lamb as he had been slain since the foundation of the world? And before the first sin was ever committed here upon planet earth, guess what? There was already a plan of redemption. There was already put in place that God would send his only begotten son to be able to die upon an old rugged cross. Can I say this? That's why we take songs like that. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. We take them seriously. That's why as we come into a week like this where we would sing in the garden, I come to the garden alone. Or we sing the song, the old rugged cross. Boy, it made a difference in our lives, didn't it? But it was willingness that was based upon obedience. Can you imagine the obedience that we would have? Listen, if we take the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, now listen, God is not asking us or demanding of us to lay down our lives and be crucified. I think Christianity would be a whole lot less appealing if at the moment of saying, hey, you trust Christ as your Savior, you're going to be put down here on the cross and you're going to be crucified. Can I say there were multitudes that turned to Christ when they knew that by turning to Christ, their whole family would turn against them. They knew, and you go back to the first century church, listen, the reason that church group and that church family was so close that they had all things in common is because they knew as soon as they trusted Christ, listen, it would cost them, and many times cost them their job. Many times it would cost them their family. That's why the family of God is so close together today. Because even we as a spiritual family have ties that a physical family many times do not understand. God's not asking us to be crucified for him. God's not asking us to lay down our lives for him. But God is asking us in obedience to God, would you live your life for me? Would you live for me? In this world that's all around us, listen, it's not enough just to have a Sunday Christianity. It's not enough to be Christmas and Easter Christians. But what the Lord has done for us, the willingness to sacrifice himself and to be able to lay down his life for the cause of mankind. He's saying, would you live for me? Would you live for me? Would you look around that a wor- that as, as a world is dying without Christ? And there'll be millions that are celebrating this coming week and they have no hope whatsoever of eternity even in what they are celebrating. They think it is just good works. They think it's just another time of celebration. Can I remind us of Jesus' willingness to sacrifice? He knew the pain that he was about to endure. And the Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, I just don't understand that. I'll I'll just be honest with you. You see, I look at myself in the mirror every day. And I know the sinful person that I am. And I think you know the sinful person that you are. And the Lord Jesus Christ looked upon you and said, I'm willing to sacrifice. And that establishment of that substitute all the way down through the years. And then finally for John to say in John chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Finally was walking upon the face of the earth. 
and according to Luke chapter number 9, set his face towards Jerusalem. Nothing was going to deter him. Miss June was playing before we started service today, and many of you have probably heard that song sung. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and to set him free. But he chose to die alone for you and me. Willing to sacrifice. He's the good shepherd. He saw us as sheep having no shepherd. And he said, I'm willing to lay down my life. Because I see the wolf that's coming. I see the danger that's ahead of them if they don't trust Christ in the sacrifice that's been made. Listen, you may be here today and you've never understood the sacrifice that Jesus made. You've never applied it personally to your heart and life. Listen, today's the day to understand what Jesus has done. Today's the day to quit putting it off. Today's the day to quit playing church. Today's the day to quit playing Christian and understand the willing sacrifice that Christ made for each and every one of us. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How long has it been since you just thanked the Lord that he was willing to sacrifice, that he went through all of that for you and I? Can you imagine if we had to go through that? I guarantee you we wouldn't be to the point of carrying our cross up Calvary. You understand the Romans perfected the art of torture and crucifixion. And they would literally whip and beat a convict so that there's just enough life left in them to be able to crucify him. And just enough life for them to be able to hang there on the cross. Now, if it was up to them, they would have had to come along and break the legs of Jesus to cause him to suffocate there on that cross. But when they came to Jesus, he had already given up the ghost. And it was just a fulfillment of no man taketh my life. But I lay it down. Can I just remind you of this one last statement? Jesus did that willingly for you and me. Willingly. He wasn't forced. He said, I'm doing this for you. Why? Love. Because he loves the sheep and gave himself for them.